Sydney here as Peter's slightly annoying co-host won't shut up and kind of maybe exaggerates things every once in a while and then then that's why we're this is Vidra please a heinous trip at warp five. My name is Joseph. And I don't belong here. I'm an innocent man. Your co-host, Peter. Peter, before we talk about this episode, I think we need to talk about the joke that we have made and inevitably will always make about episodes like this. The jailbreak joke. We've been doing this show a long time. Not everyone's listened to every entry. (laughs) As I have constantly criticized Enterprise to say, who's even watching at this point? Uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to flip that around onto us and say anybody who's watching, they're not, they're not coming in fresh for enterprise. I don't, I don't think anybody's sitting there rubbing their hands together. And, Ooh, God, look at that. A new Star Trek enterprise podcast. <laughs> Fuck all that Voyager stuff. These guys they, they are a desperate, starving people. Those enterprise <laughs> fans sitting on their rocky shores awaiting any morsel <laughs> that washes up. So there may not be a lot of them, but by God, they're loyal. They're loyal men and women, and they they will they will I'm absorb your have, takes. If we've brought you in fresh and you didn't even know who we were for Voyager and, and you found us through Enterprise, chime off on the trauma support group or the, the Discord. Yeah, tell I, us somehow. Twitter, email, please at gmail.com, Facebook group, Discord, whatever. Tell us if you found us via Enterprise. I would be delighted to know there was at least one of you (laughs) but if you are the one person in the universe who started listening to us last episode fresh there is a well that we drink deeply from frequently and it's not for any reason other than because that's what's on the fucking menu with (laughs) Berman era star trek voyager forward so the imprisonment plotline is the is the question of the day and the reason why peter and i make light of the frequency of prison related plots is because they are frequent why is that there is a rational reason a imprisonment plot line first creates instant drama it creates a very set clear set of stakes character you know is imprisoned in some sort of strange circumstance there's a clear a to b that you have already pre-written now just by establishing that as a premise these this character or those characters must escape this imprisonment and return back to the the status quo before the episode, right? Like, just by deciding you're going to do a prison episode, 80% of your fucking work is done for you. And that's why you see it all the time. And not just on Star Trek. You know, the imprisonment plotline is a classic. But Trek being an adventure-oriented show, particularly one regarding exploration, you get a lot of opportunity to decide the right vehicle for the dramatic tension that I want in this particular story is clearly imprisonment because it can, you can justify it using any number of new fantastic sci-fi ways. Voyager leaned in super hard on this. And it seemed like a few times a season, someone landed in the space pokey, the good old clink. And that's going to start in Voyager as early. I think as, one of the most wretched Voyager episodes of all time, Dawn of the Shitheads, time and again, which was, um, I don't think there's any actual like real prison cell bars involved there. It was a, you know, a detainment it was a brain prison. It was a brain punishment, but it absolutely counts. 
So prison episodes, jailbreak episodes, they happen a lot. And we knew that's what we were going to be getting into here for season two, episode 17, Canamar. Having now wound up that whether it is ex post facto, whether it is heroes and demons when they're imprisoned by the photonic um, like alien that had their souls ripped out. Danger the first room. Time. Yes. The da- <laughs> within the danger room. Uh, well, caretaker that had imprisonment because Bolana and, and Harry Kim were in prison. In fact, the entire Voyager ship was imprisoned by the caretaker briefly and then experimented on. So you could probably count that. Yes. Uh, the, you had initiations in which uh, Chakotay was being held as a prisoner of the Kazan youth. Um, you've had, um, let's see, uh, not a logem, non, a non sequitur in which Harry Kim is a prisoner within an alternate reality that he's trying to escape poorly. Basically, every episode of Voyager that ends in a constant is probably a jailbreak episode. Right. Like the frequency of it made it so we had a lot to choose from when I say the following. The shoot is still the best prison episode. This might be the second best. Hmm. This is really good. And it's really good because it plays with its premise. It actually does different things with the imprisonment plot line for a change. It makes you kind of guess what's going to happen next. It plays it for appropriate sarcastic laughs in a couple really funny spots. Yes, it's another prison plot line, but it is one that is maybe a little elevated and it really helps. It's not your typical jailbreak because it's Con Air. And I it's respect Con Air, yeah. <laughs> I even have in my notes, like once they lay the premise out, because I knew what it was going to be, you know, that it was going to be a jailbreak episode. But once once I see it's Archer stuck in a transport, I'm like, oh, please go. Please go Con Air. It is. You're right. It is absolutely Con Air. My God. Step (laughs) away from the bunny. (laughs) You know, uh, first I was going to say, based on the guest stars, that we should do the title as this one as uh, Aliens versus Donnie Darko. Uh, But I think the right episode title we're going to need to go for is uh, how do we turn Canamar into Con Airmar? Con Airmar? (laughs) Con Airmar. You know what? We'll solve that one when we put it out, right? Like, we'll workshop that. We got a few weeks on this one. We'll find it. We'll Con find Air, it. just like at the, the movie title, dash Mar. <laughs> Con Air Mar. Okay. That's, that's, that's how we go about this. So this came out February 26, 2003, written John, by John Sieben, who has uh, got a couple under his belt now. He did Dawn, which was trash. And before that, he did um, a good one. Which one was it? Oh, let's see. John we Sheevan. recapped it when he was talking to Rick Berman. Minefield. Minefield. Not bad. Yeah. So Minefield was fine. Don was not. But this. Alan Croker, old Voyager director. We like him. And uh, we're going to open up. This, this is also such a nexus of. Old props, old costumes, that guys, and tropes. I mean, it, it's it's a buffet of reuse. This is like the retread cafe. 
This is really everything that uh, encapsulated the charm of syndicated Trek made on a budget, right? We, yes. we, we haven't had as much of this because this we're in the network era of Trek right now. We're in the deep network era of Trek where they've got a lot more money, a lot more access to things and people. You know, Enterprise has got Tommy Burge on it, you know, like Tom Bergeron has done a guest spot on this. A man who's actually famous, you know, like wasn't so long ago that The Rock and Jason Alexander were on Voyager. You know, like these these are not things that happened in the TNG era, right? So we're not used to limited, incredibly limited sets. Reuse Minus Kardashian hallway. Yeah, well, you gotta, yeah, they probably paid some top tier royal uh royalties to get Cardassian <laughs> hallway back. And we're not used to this this uh cheap. They reused the plasma pistol from the pilot. You know, like they they used reused different alien makeups. They they used a space shotgun. <laughs> like that thing looked awesome though. It did. Line three of my notes. Space shotguns. Exclamation mark. They were very proud of that prop. They did like a couple pushing shots on it so you can see like it's got three barrels this thing mm-hmm. rocks this thing's this a thing jackhammer from planet side it's a triple jack uh we start off with some good old space fascists with their space turtlenecks and this vader suit looking material and instantly i gotta pause and go what do i know this space the space nazi garb from do you recognize it not at all uh, speaking of jailbreaks, resistance. Oh, is this the same as the as those space? Like, I think that's where we did, like the space jackpooted thug joke mm-hmm. really took off. Was resistance? Uh, the episode that brought you New Jack Neelix, right? Oh, so the very best Neelix performance of the entire run. Yeah. Uh, well, a man with such with such cojones, he would just lounge in the captain's chair while negotiating on her behalf. That was a good one. That's the one with uh, the uh, the Academy Award winner guy. That's the one where the Voyager UPN promos made it look like uh, Janeway was going to go suck some dick to get her crew out of the pokey. Yes, it, probably one of the probably the best guest performance ever on track that we've seen so far. Right. Like I'm going to give it to Boddicker, man. I, and from a pure acting perspective, I think that Space Boddicker was second, like. I, I think he did a good job, but he wasn't actually in that two-parter very much. True. But in Resistance, you, you know, you brought in a guest star that had to carry the whole thing, and he just did. He just did. He like, he's like, I understand. I'm, I know what I'm getting paid to do here today. I'm going to do it. Anyways, just, these these space Nazi outfits, top shelf, right? Absolutely. You know what these guys are about. <laughs> uh, the ship looks cool that they're riding around in. It's a just a transport vessel, but it kind of almost looks like a Klingon. I'm sorry, Cardassian. Uh, what were those? Did there, no. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's kind of like a, a those um, like Galer class. Galer class. Yeah, that's right. Cardassian ships combined with like a like a sort of Klingon aesthetic. Yeah, that looks good. Uh, the aforementioned space shotguns. So these are some well-funded space dickheads. You know everything you need to know about these guys. They're all early 40s, white, gelled hair, with the most important thing any space Texan need, that bald spot. Absolutely. It 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 gives off 
the strong vibe of patriarchal authority, but in the bad way. And that's what you need in a good space fascist. Like, you need you need them to be credibly in charge so they can be credibly evil. And so you need someone who looks like they've got they're willing to smack you around, right? Like they've got to they've got to look like they've seen things. They've got to have some age to them that helps. Like it it is part of the look. If these guys don't look like they can credibly be yelling at you to get up that rope in gym class, then you're doing something wrong. Yeah, that you can't. This is the problem they have sometimes with they did until Andor with Star Wars. Where, you know, they're trying to, like, cast different flavors of actors into some of the roles that had been dominated by domineering white British actors in prior iterations of Star Trek. And it's like, you, you know why those guys get, get cast as evil space fascists all the time? Like, why British accents are evil? It's because that refinement gives them the gravitas necessary for you to believe it. You know, like that, that helps, that matters, that makes you think that, oh, this is an opposing force that is uh, complicated and it's going to require effort to overcome because uh, he's clearly accomplished and knows what he's doing because that's part of the delivery. And uh, this is this this is they're getting it right on like we're shitty space fascists, you know, we're your stepdad and we're going to shock you with the <laughs> restraints on. Only the uh, redheaded stepchild is not the victim so much as uh, the bloodthirsty mutineer. Uh, we get our good look at the inside of this transport. It's not big, right? There's some uh, scenes up in the bridge, which I believe is actually a reused Type 2 shuttlecraft bridge from or a cockpit from Voyager, which was neat to see that redress. Yeah, it looked like it just put a bunch of extra panels in there. To mm-hmm. just kind of make the window claustrophobic. very small. Yeah, claustrophobic. Yeah. And then you go past the door and you get into the general detainment area. And uh, the image I got from here was like an old slave ship, right? Everybody's yeah. sitting on their bench seating next to each other. They're shackled. They're not rowing the, the, the paddle with some guy banging on a drum. But it's dirty. It looks stinky. And overall, I'm guessing it doesn't have that good of a Yelp review. I'm assuming they all wish they had upgraded to Comfort Plus. <laughs> but here they are. <laughs> they're in they're in pure economy. And it's Trip and Archer that are our characters on this uh, particular journey. They're dressed in what appear to be civilian clothes. That is not Look addressed. At that. It, it was not addressed as to why they're in civilian clothes and not in their uniforms. Um, but they're not. And Archer lost yet again. Desert Crossing, here we come. Actually, I'm sorry. We, we cut out the uh, the beginning scene, which is actually Shuttle Pod 1 floating derelict as Enterprise came up on it and found it to be empty with, uh, you know, gravity. So, Right. It establishes that it is T'Pol who's presently in charge of Enterprise and that it is it is Archer and Trip that are missing. Uh, they they actually have a nice scene there at the beginning where they go through the captain's logs and try and piece together what happened. Uh, and Flox is actually involved in a forensic analysis of, well, we didn't find their bodies, but there's blood on the bulkheads. Looks like there was a fight. And <laughs> Archer probably threw some cum uh, from where there was that, where I'm pretty sure a brain was beaten to the, to the door. So obviously we know what happens. Archer 
got into a fight yeah. and they got dragged away. So either they were abducted and the assailants uh, won a fight against them or uh, Trip really wanted to make sure that he got a good review at his yearly performance evaluation. So uh, he did Archer a dirty favor and beat him about the head and neck area so Archer could, you know, pop a big one off. (laughs) The special effects in this episode, let me just say right now, speaking of Archer's head wounds, I have not (laughs) seen such unconvincing wounds in a long time. It doesn't even look like he rubbed fake blood on his head. It just looks like my child getting her hands in the markers and just coloring her own face. It, lo- it looked like the kind of work that a very tired makeup artist did because he just did all the aliens and he does not have fucking time to your bruise makeup anymore. It's like, I have hands hurt. I've been doing this for eight hours. Uh, fuck it. Get out there. It's like just Archer's one two blood shot. makeup. Archer's blood makeup looks like he was going to go to some football game. What was it the Redskins? The 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 football Redskins, right? And I mean, they were a team, would, yeah. They paint their faces red, and then someone said, no, that's like kind of racist. And <laughs> somewhat cleaned it off, but didn't do a very good job, so there's still a bunch of red on his forehead. I, I, I thought it looked like, you know, uh, Hulk Hogan trying to, you know, cut discreetly during like a WWE match. You know, like, oh, I'm bleeding. Like, yeah, I'm sure you were, uh, but th- no, uh, I would say Hulk Hogan's fake ring blood looks significantly better <laughs> than what Archer's rocking through this. So, yeah, they, they find it. And what's interesting in this opening scene, too, is, you know, we just recently ran across some other competent space fascists in uh, Catwalk. Only in Catwalk, the Enterprise, you know, the the ship was the prize they were after. Uh, And then these guys just take prisoners and then leave shuttle pod one floating out there. Derelict like they're like, this thing fucking sucks. This, this, (laughs) this galactic ghetto hoopy. Look at this. It's all doors and access patch. Like this, this thing is made out of Swiss cheese. Space it. We're done. So, uh, at aforementioned Tr- Tucker and, and Archer are on the, uh, the prison ship. They're like, yo, we didn't do nothing. What's going on? Where are we? And we find out very quickly that the, these two prison guards are, are some real pieces of shit. Um, because, uh, their answer to any questions asked of them is to simply, uh, apply a little bit of the shocky, uh, via remote, uh, into some, I'm Some sorry. Hand restraints. You mean the Bajoran tricorder? Yes, I do mean the Bajoran tricorder. <laughs> yeah, so everybody's got their shackles on, but they're sitting on a bench. They don't appear to actually be shackled to the bench, as best I can tell, because there's a little argument that pops up later on over some prison gruel between Trip and a Nausicaan, and the Nausicaan gets up to beat Trip's ass before. He gets some of that sweet wrist music laid on him and chalked down by uh, Mr. Balding prison guard number two. The I, I forget. It, I feel like there was a shot where like they some ankle restraints was were taken off. Like they can stand up, but they can't like they don't have much freedom of movement. So I don't know if that Noskin was able actually to be able to give uh, a trip some sweet chin music, but. Regardless, it is the restraints on the hands that are the focus. 
as mentioned, this is a, a boat filled with some gnarly looking dudes. Everyone's in alien makeup. There is the Nausicaan, who's definitely going to be a character. And there's also the guy who's sitting next to Trip, who is supposed to be the, the comedy relief of our episode. In that he is, uh, what, Steve Buscemi's character from Con Air, <laughs> I guess? You mean uh, Seaweed Cheeks? Yes. Great makeup. Really interesting. I liked it. Side note, all the and I think they actually got uh, nominated for makeup in this episode. This is what Star Trek needs to be more of. And that is a ton of different, interesting, but well-designed aliens interacting in areas. I haven't seen this much special effects makeup since probably the last Senator Kelly truck stop episode. And even that we were pretty limited in how many people we saw on screen at a given time. So a lot of interesting background guys here, specifically, like you said, seaweed cheeks, which is like this somewhat aquatic guy with green seaweed fishing lures hanging off of his cheeks. Uh, I recognized him. Did you ever see people under the stairs? No. What? Yeah, never saw it. So there was a, I think it was Wes Craven, uh, did uh, this movie called People Under the Stairs, and it's about these dudes in the ghetto uh, that would break in and rip people's houses off, and then they break into this mansion, and the crazy people who live there had abducted a bunch of kids, but when the kids wouldn't you know, grow up the way they wanted, they would just throw them in the basement. So all these orphans were living in the walls like cannibals, basically. And <laughs> it sounds awesome. It I is awesome. This. this is great. Maybe we'll have to do this. Uh, we're supposed to watch Reanimator. Re-animator Maybe we'll get around to watching uh, this one, too. But anyways, there's a good person living under the stairs. His name is Roach. He helps the main character, whose name is Fool. Uh, avoid the the main bad guy and uh, it's this guy seaweed cheeks so nice to see him return he's the first of our um, trope breaks in present imprisonment plot lines because a, a common feature of the of the jailbreak episode is the helpful uh, side character that helps the characters uh, through their imprisonment process right the 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 red, if you will, of the Shawshank Redemption. Uh, and in this case, the guy that is set up to be that is instead extremely annoying and actually actively harmful to the protagonists, albeit in a passive and shitty way. Something that's not normally done. So I liked I liked Seaweed Cheeks a lot because he was actually a source of comedy. And the fact that he just was good-natured yet harmful to our our heroes was a a different take they don't usually go that route no especially since uh trip had already by that point kind of like made peace with the guy and tried to like create the his end of the friendship bridge right only to be stabbed in the back benevolently yes because he's stupid (laughs) i love it so uh uh, and and then before we end Act One, there was one other major element, which was a- another plot twist, which is the space fascist boss actually comes to Enterprise 
after like brushing them off. Like they do the brush off scene via communicator and you're like, oh, Just I know where like this resistance, is. right? No, what, right. Or was it shoot? It was shoot, I think. I think both. <laughs> Probably a lot of these. And they do the brush off. But then the guy actually shows up to Enterprise and is like, yeah, actually, we have totally incorrectly and falsely impersoned your captain and chief engineer. I deeply apologize. Let's go get them. <laughs> and it's never the plot of these episodes. The space fascists do not assist in freeing the responsible parties ever. They try to cover it up. They say there's nothing they can do. They don't care. These are all options, but genuinely remorseful and attempt to resolve the situation that's actually new so the um magistrate that they're dealing with on whatever the planet is do you recognize him no i recognize no one from this if this has got that guys you're gonna come on dude really wow i'm sorry oh well you're in for it uh this dude is donnie darko's dad you see, that's why I don't know it, because I never saw Donnie Darko. What? Joe, you're killing me. <laughs> that is like the one major cultural film of our generation I have not seen a frame of, except the... Uh, did you see Southland Tales? No, I did not see he Southland Tales. He also plays Tales. a senator in that. Uh, yeah, that's that's Donnie Darko's dad. He's got some pretty choice lines in the movie. Uh, he's kind of the prototype for... Uh, oh, the... the 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 kid's dad and stranger things the older guy who's married to the young milf that wants to bang billy oh yeah 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 the guy that you know the the glasses has yeah the, the very nose. the very like stereotypical dad yeah 80s dad yeah. My, mike's dad yeah uh so so it's that guy and yeah it, everything you're saying right like normally this is right when you start seeing the the true evil bureaucracy unfurl its black wings, right? Uh, and it's a complete 180. And they start walking back to a certain degree the level of asshole and fascism that's really here uh, by this guy's actions, which is, whoops, yeah, hey, listen, I already sent... It's not like there's no dilemma. There's no, oh, gosh, we got to get there before. It's like, I, I sent a subspace communique uh, they know who it is. They've identified him. They're going to rendezvous. We've got a ship going there. It's all going to yeah. be fine. And then DePaul grabs him by the balls and is like, actually, why don't you go with us? Because we saw a bunch of the Voyager episodes and we know how this goes. <laughs> yeah, we looked at we, we looked at the past scripts and mm-hmm. uh, we sense a pattern that the authority figures not present causes suspicion. So you're going to come along with us and fix your boo boo. I talked to my girlfriend, Seska, and she told me what happens in these situations. So you're going to come with me. And he's like, yeah, I am going to come with you. This is pretty fucked up and it's a bad look for us. So I like that this the that they what they set up, like what they imply. The reason is, is because they just established first contact with Earth. They just had Archer and Trip there. They put on a show for him. You know, they're trying to 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 have a you know a, a first like yeah, all right. Maybe there's some people that we can get along with out there in the universe. And it's like immediately they get busted by their own cops and put on a prison ship. Like we have to fix this right now. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, do you look at look at our uniforms? Right, like we have to get these guys in before they realize who we are. <laughs> <laughs> 
So they go to fly off over on the prison ship. Uh, one of the one of the gym teacher guards comes over and says, "Hey, are you Archer?" And he's like, "Yeah." Uh, <laughs> oh, well, it turns out you are a captain of a starship after all. We're gonna trade you off, and uh, everything will be fine. Rewind the episode a little bit to Archer complaining. Uh, or, you know, trying to, to ask a question. Hey, who's in charge? Let me talk to who's in charge. The answer to that being Bajoran tricorder electrocution, right? Correct. And that's when the shadowy inmate sitting in front of Archer goes, keep your mouth shut. The guards don't like questions. You don't recognize this guy at all. No. So this is going to be our main bad guy. I don't even care what his real name is because this guy's resume, man. If there's... If there's ever someone to get like some juicy, some juicy movie roles in less than desirable characters within those. Uh, first of all, this guy. He's got the Star Trek credit, right? Walter Pierce from. Uh, oh, God. What was that TNG episode where the half Bay Joran guy was uh, mind controlling people to jump into the warp nacelles during the. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I of the Beholder. Mm-hmm. What's the name of that? It's from the seventh season. Sure. AKA Boggs from Shawshank Redemption. Oh, that is Boggs. Mr. Fuck. Prison Rape Himself, AKA Drake from Aliens. <sighs> okay. Yeah. I see it. I, I see Boggs now. Like, okay. Anytime there's a guy with red hair, it's this dude, man. You can see him threatening to rape me right now. I can feel it. It's so, so real. If you're going to do a prison episode, I don't I don't really know how you, you top getting people that were in fucking Shawshank. Shake Redemption. You have a good point. Like that. This this is the one that um, uh, Hadley needed to be. In. <laughs> like They wasted him on Desert Crossing, right? Mm-hmm. We should have had him be the guard. Should have had a whole cast cast reuniting here. So Mark Rolston is the uh, actor's name, but uh, we can go by Drake. I th- it really just needs to be Space Boggs, I think. Though. Space Boggs. <laughs> I don't think he's going to be anything else. So fast forward to Archer having the talk with the guard where they're like, hey, uh, things are going to be fine. We-, we-, we got this sorted out. Don't worry. Uh, all of a sudden, Space Bog stands up. His uh, handcuffs falls off. He lays some space judo on the gym teacher, flattens him out, gets his uh, triple jack shotgun, grabs his EM pistol, his, yep. his Starfleet shoot EM pistol that's just been <laughs> spray painted like red and gold. Got the Iron Man treatment. Sweet looking prop as always. And at that point, I'm like, oh, good. It is going to be a Con Air episode. <laughs> They they're, talking about the ship. How, they're talking about how they don't want to go to this prison planet that they're headed to. And it's yes, Conaramar. Conaramar is a terrible place. You don't want to go. They just send you down there. They can make an example out of you. Um, so that that's the, the story you get. And then finally Conair breaks out. And Space Boggs lets the Nausicaan go, but nobody else. And then when they get back from commercial, they start to re- realize because they have... Um, you know, un- rendered unconscious both guards and the pilot that they need someone to fly the ship. And Archer's like, I'm the only person here who probably knows how to fly a warp vessel. 
Me and my me friend over there. But the Nausicaan doesn't like him because he wouldn't share his space oatmeal. So unfortunately, Trip's got to stay chained up because the audience needs to see him get into it with uh, seaweed cheeks. The, the main comedy uh, bit here is seaweed cheeks won't shut up and Trip is more and more uncomfortable uh, with having to endure him being chatty because now he can talk a lot because the guards have been incapacitated and it's just a lot of like tall tales of his life's of crime and the things he's going to do once he gets free, what, what mud fleas he eats and trips like just, just, I just need you to be, I need silence. <laughs> I just steps. I'm like, I just need you to be quiet. Trip knows because he's becoming self-aware that uh, the trope for season two is that everybody wants to fuck trip. And what's happening right now is seaweed cheeks is flirting with trip and trip ain't having fish face. So not interested. He's, he's yeah. had much better. He's had some pretty premium tail premium uh, lizard tail. Well, no. Yeah. I mean, he banged the princess. I mean, she couldn't act, but she was pretty. He probably bang, banged a reptile too, which is off camera. So he's, he's a little tired of alien strange. We'll, we'll put it that way. The main tension of the episode is basically Space Boggs and Archer as Archer effectively tries to build a backstory for himself as a criminal without saying too much and figure out what Space Boggs is about, what his intentions are for tactical reasons. But this leads to an unexpected revelation that really Space Boggs is a product of the this particular form of of Jack Boots bad prison system that institutionalized him at a young age and really turned him into a career criminal, um, and I felt like that was very well it was executed well in the writing, uh, but also done well in terms of the performance where it's very believable and they build a kind of wary regard for each other that makes sense in context of the of the story. All joking aside, I mean, this is a big get for Star Trek. They've brought in some good guest actors in the past, and I'm not saying that this guy by any means that Mark Rolston's the best they've ever done, but the dude is a movie star, right? Right. He's not doing lead roles in this stuff, but like Boggs and Shawshank is a pretty big fucking deal. I'd say he's probably what the either the primary or the secondary antagonist. Secondary. The, the warden is the main antagonist. You've got uh, James Cameron's Aliens, the dude's cast in there. And I mean, it's just a, a a badass space marine grunt. But like the dude clearly is well practiced. Even uh, his TNG stuff was good. So this is a real nice use of a strong actor coming into a semi fleshed out role and being able to project it. and. The, the weak spots of the episode will be a little later on. There'll be some moral conflict uh, because catching things up, the space fascists send uh, some patrol craft to go investigate why the prison transport has veered off course. They start fighting or they start shooting at it. Um, Archer comes up with a the classic playbook. You know, hey, get 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 my engineer. I need his help in this. Right. What are you going to do? Send out some space exhaust that's going to be super explosive. (laughs) Like, it's the first time someone invented this trick. Like, we've seen this trick in every Trek iteration, 
but this is the origin of the vent the space gas. It's explosive. You know, I think I hunter that shit with an oil slick. Honestly, already did it once in Enterprise. At the very least, they beamed the uh, red barrel out into space and then shot that when they were fighting the lizard people in uh, Planet Olive Garden. Yes. So, yeah, definitely a a Starfleet staple. Create an environmental hazard, shoot it, fuck the ships up that are in pursuit. That buys uh, Archer a lot of credibility with uh, space bogs. Archer keeps pushing like, hey, man, my engineer, my guy, like we're a dynamic duo, but space bogs ain't having it. And uh, space bogs has a plan. This entire thing has been scripted by Boggs. He has been to can't to I'm sorry to Khan Aramar once already. He doesn't want to go back. I really like the detail. Like Archer's like, hey, how did you get the handcuffs off? And he shows these nasty ass looking scars on his wrists. And he's basically like, uh, I got magnets <laughs> surgically uh <laughs> magic magnets in uh implanted into me and it melts the handcuffs or disrupts their frequencies or something. So I've got built-in keys, basically. And I, I like that he had the solo plan to get himself out of those restraints, just acted on it. Like, this wasn't, like, a super deep, right? Like, he, he had this contingency built up, but it was really up to him to just, like, get himself into a position where he could call it in, right? They don't establish that the Nausicaan is someone he knows. It's just he... F- I guess he feels out like I need muscle. This is the scariest guy here. He knows what I want. He knows, you know, he's going to get what he wants. I'm going to let him go. Like that could actually be the, the extent of their relationship. Uh, maybe I, I was more under the impression that there was some degree of a pre-existing relationship there because it could very uh, well easily be that too, but he scolds the Nausicaan and says, I told you not to kill anybody. And he's like, well, he's not dead. And he's like, does he look like he can fly the fucking ship? Like, Okay. There's, yeah, you're right. That 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 suggests that they had the plan together. You're right. So there's something there, but uh, Archer is looking like a good ad to bring into his gang, and for whatever reason, he's got it out against Trip and doesn't need two humans in his posse. Um, but the plan is supposed to be to fly to a different star system where they're going to rendezvous with his friends that will do a ship to ship dock, evacuate them. And then, unfortunately, everybody else is going to have to die to basically try and cover things up. And this is going to be what creates the main antagonism between Archer and Space Boggs, as Archer uh, doesn't think this is a great idea for many reasons, and is going to try and diplomacy Space Boggs out of killing everybody to cover the tracks. I thought it was a delicate and interesting choice to to build a little sympathy f- into the audience with how they told you his tragic backstory before he gets kind of murderous because he's having the heart to heart with Archer. There's this reasonable sense of like, ah, oh, he's, you know, a product of his environment. He's not really like a terrible guy. Maybe there's a redemption arc here. And then it's like immediately destroy those two ships. And then it's everyone is going to die because I'm going to kill them so that I can cover my escape. And it's like, oh, okay. So this dude is real bad. He is not redeemable. And I kind of went on a little journey there of like, I still kind of feel bad for him. Like he's not getting out of this, right? Like once that marker gets laid down, then I am willing to murder everybody for my own personal interests so that I don't go to jail. Uh, That character does not survive the story. He has to die. 
And, and that's backed up by Donnie Darko's dad, who creates stakes for Enterprise and says, uh, we're aware that the ship has uh, basically been uh, overthrown. And we are now in a race a, clock, a race against the clock to get there before my government can send out jet fighters to blow this fucking thing up because Space Boggs is such a bad criminal. We would rather kill everybody, including our own guys, than risk this guy escaping. I do like that we don't get a ton of time with the space fascist representative and to Paul and the rest of the Enterprise crew. But the time they spend on it is very effective of T'Pol being like, uh, yeah, I'm not going to be accepting your bullshit for answers. We'll cut the crap, cut, cut the nonsense, right? Like you're, you're telling me there's this ticking clock would work. No, you're helping me. You're helping me solve this problem. That's what, let's get to it. I dare say this is the most agency she has shown in an episode. Yeah. Yeah. She's just like effortlessly pushes this guy around like, all right, well. Uh, you best get some boys on the horn and let's figure out a way to solve this problem because we are deeper and deeper into some fucking bullshit that is none of our business that we had no interest in being involved in. We have been dragged in against our will. That means I have the whip hand and I am using it to whip you. And he's very responsive to that. So jumping back to what I see as the only real shortcoming of the episode, and it's as Archer is trying to argue with space bogs and plead on the side of mercy and sparing everybody in this ship while keeping up his role as a smuggler. Uh, I feel like space bogs is putting his all into it and, and, and acting from the heart. And I feel like Scott Bakula, I don't know, man, it seems it like he's like distracted during the scenes almost. I, I, I took that as Archer's inability to like take the the next level in his deception, right? Like he got too kind of stunned by this guy wanting to kill everybody. And now he, he's trying to buy back credibility. He's trying to find a way to like continue to build this rapport through this fake, you know, history he's built for himself. But now it's like, oh, I'm a career criminal too. And I've got to somehow come up with a credible credible argument as to why he shouldn't kill everybody here. And he couldn't figure it out, right? Because he's not a monomaniacal criminal. He can't come up with the way to pierce that logic. Like, damn, this is just horrible. You can't do this. Would that be something a smuggler saying? I don't fucking know I'm not a smuggler. Ah, shit. I've dug myself a hole here and I can't get myself out of it. You know, you got space bogs who's like, authentically there and Archer whose character is trying to deceive him unsuccessfully. I don't I think it was, buy, I can buy the overwhelmed angle. I think. Yeah. Like, uh, uh it's like, we know that Picard, Picard couldn't have done that either. Picard could not have lied to that man and tried to convince him from his perspective. Why he should let everyone go. It's just not, and we also character. know that like Archer's really not a great liar, despite the amount that the, the, the increasing frequency in which he is having to lie or choosing to lie. Like prior to this, his best lie was uh, all of a sudden my first officer is a space judge and you're in a lot of trouble during the, whatever the fucking terrible kidnapping episode was. Yeah. Now you're, you're in a scene live action role playing that you're a smuggler and like, you know, having this cheeky little moment and they'd be like, Holy shit. I'm in here with like, 
the fucking Unabomber. What <laughs> this dude's nuts. <laughs> oh. All right. Okay. Well, He's got my own gun on me. What am I gonna do? So, um knowing so- he can't yeah, knowing he can't control the situation, uh, that's when we get to him talking with Trip while he's you know working on the uh, the damaged uh uh airlock seal. yeah yeah and says we're gonna have to seize control of the ship and you're gonna have to take out that nausicaan to me this is the best part of the episode because trip's like yeah sure no problem you know like that's sort of sarcastic like okay got it understand Sure, I just fought Reptile in Mortal Kombat, in which I <laughs> unlocked uh, the secret cheat move of hitting a motherfucker with a space pipe. Yeah, this Nausicaan doesn't stand a chance. <laughs> like, I just the setup for this is perfect. All right, I, I I can't I can't move the heavy thing. You're like, listen, sorry, we got off on the wrong foot. He's like trying to be friendly with him. Uh, but I'm going to need your help. I need this moved. I can't physically move it. Can you get in there? And he's like, yeah, that's it. That's it. 90 degrees to the right. And you see him like slowly work backwards. And then there's a comically large wrench. <laughs> like right there for him to just like turn around. And there it is in frame, right? Like just like, yeah, keep doing it. And he just turns. It's like the biggest space pipe like instrument. We have ever seen in the history of Burman era Trek. This thing is massive. It's a space baseball bat, basically. <laughs> and he takes it off the fucking wall. And it just goes, yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> and then belts the guy right in the back of the head. <laughs> and puts him right down. <laughs> it's just the buildup. <laughs> The one-liner, the camera move that's like, yeah, there's this giant space wrench right there. It's perfect. Perfect. Through all this, too, I'm wondering, like, okay, um, clearly Enterprise is going to catch up with this thing. Is anybody on Enterprise going to remember the fact that they have transporters, which we just made a big deal about not too long ago? Yes, this episode's got it all. And I love the fact that, uh, you know, we cut back over to Enterprise at some point and they bring up like, all right, well, we'll get over there. And we'll just beam them off. And then Donnie Darko's dad's like, hey, it's a prison transport. Those are heavily shielded. And I was like, gold star for you episode. <laughs> Plug that plot hole right up. <laughs> you know, all those times we bitch about how one line of dialogue would have fixed it. It's that line. They, they did it. They did the line. We're like, what about transporters? No, nah, it's shielded. It's a prison ship. Got it. Done. No further explanation needed. That took three seconds. Perfect. You did it. Eventually, Spacebog's friends show up. It's a shuttlecraft, and it flies over to dock with the prison transport. And Spacebog goes, okay, here's a true breath of my evil plan. You are going to put this ship in decaying orbit. And we're going to go get on my friendship. It's going to be me, you and the Nausicaan and everybody else is going to be left behind to die because then the space Texans will think that I died on the ship and nobody will come looking for us. And it'll be perfect. Uh, this is And this is what leads to a trip, taking out the Nausicaan, getting yeah, the yeah. space triple shotgun. But then uh, uh, mildew cheeks uh, decides seaweed cheeks, seaweed cheeks uh, alerts. Uh, space bogs before you can get 
bushwhacked with the uh, space shotgun. And that meant that he was able to tag trip and uh, prevent the uh, heroes from succeeding. And when trip comes to that's when space uh, sp- seaweed cheeks is like, I saved you. They're going to let us all go. It's going to be great. Don't worry. I got you taken care of. You're welcome. Sorry. I'd intercede, but I didn't want there to be violence. And he's just like, I would, I would choke you to death if I had restraints on and have a new head wound. Uh, and unlike my former boss, it doesn't make me hard. <laughs> Through all of this, I think it's some pretty great uh, CGI work on the exteriors yeah. of the ships because these ships are now in the process of docking while in a decaying orbit around some sort of planet. There's like wind shearing and like cool effects of like atmosphere blowing off the corners of the ships. Yes. And, uh, you know, ever since Catwalk, I think that Enterprise has really been turning its at least its exterior ship uh shots like we go back to stigma, stigma and the fucking claymation the people of the, <laughs> yes. the medical conference yes. like that wasn't good some real cost cutting there uh everything we're going to see moving forward looks pretty great from an external now boggs knows that he's been getting got and that archer isn't really a friend after all and he's just going to go ahead and shoot him with his own starfleet gun but then archer's like well we're stuck in a decaying orbit And before you shoot me, there's only two people on the ship that can probably fix that door. And it's me and my engineering friend. So maybe you should keep us alive after all. And they get the door open. But wouldn't you know it? It's not space pirates on the other side. It's Reed. Ah, It's Reed and Mayweather and a random guy who gets shot. And they bust out like the (laughs) A-team ready to fuck them up. And we find out that off camera. To Paul, having once once again been uh, the most active and effective she has ever been, uh, convinces the representative of the space fascists that, in fact, we need to pull a rope-a-dope and you need to be the guy they're here to meet <laughs> and just dock a ship that looks like that ship or that you grabbed or whatever you I did. I think they found the ship and they, they took it over. I mean, that's I, perf- perfectly legit. The important thing here is that uh, off camera before this episode even started to Paul poured herself a big bowl of uh boss bitch cereal and ate the whole goddamn box. Like, I love so effective in this episode. She solves it off camera and you don't even really need to see it. Like, yeah, of course she've solved it. Of course she, I love that it. Mayweather is in the, the attack party. The guy that should oh, yeah. be flying the ship is instead. He has demonstrated himself in the Senator Kelly episode to be like, the guy you need in a fight. If someone needs to get tackled and thrown about and shot at Mayweather's, you need him in your rolling crew. And I am very pleased to see him in this thug capacity that he seems to excel in. And he seems like he's having a good time too. Cause like through the whole fight, he still has a smile on his, he's got that Mayweather, that, that transporter accident, or I'm sorry, living in a uh, reactor core for six weeks. But that that brain damage that makes you very affable. <laughs> so what he has. It gives you a different outlook on life and taking life. And he enjoys what he's doing. Uh, speaking of fights, the fist fights and gun fights in this are shockingly not shitty, which, you know, enterprises, as we have criticized in a series of increasingly shitty gunfights, we have a combo breaker. It's a nice, tight, high energy conflict w- with the guns. 
they take everybody out. That's been the biggest point of improvement that Enterprise has seen. Like, who gave... Did Rick Berman have to come down on set and be like, listen, guys, our fights are terrible. Uh, <laughs> did like someone at UPN have to be like, Rick, listen, uh, this Enterprise stuff. I, I'm not a sci-fi guy, but I know a bad gunfight when I see it. Or was it like Rick Berman's wife? Like, honey, enough. <laughs> like, he's laying in bed. She's like, Rick, we need to talk. Well, are, are you leaving me? No, your fight sequences are terrible. You need to get a new fight coordinator. I I wonder if like their proximity to the WWE people probably paid off. Like they're like, you guys need a fight guy. We live. We we've got fight guys in the network. Like we'll send Why someone over. Mexican like Big Show or something. They do that later. Big Show plays a a, a male. Of he does. Jesus Orion, I think. Yeah, well, no, he's in it. He's in the gold show. He's, dust he's, or someone. It's, no, it's Stone Big Cold. Show. They they. They make the most of the fact that they have Big Show when Big Show was on on this program. You know, you will not be able to miss him. So yeah, it's a pretty good fight. They don't wake the guards up fast enough, which I think would have been the smart move. But um, at this point, luckily, all of the other presumably, well, I don't know, at least a couple of the other, uh, at least a couple other people on this ship, I think, have to be legitimate bad guys. It can't just be space bogs and the Nausicaan. Like, there has to be a couple other, like, space dommers in there or something. So, oh, I'm sure. So, someone has a bunch of bones in a pit somewhere. The fact that once uh, Starfleet shows up to save the day, there isn't a little bit more crossfire or some other shenanigans. Everybody just obediently gets into the other s- shuttlecraft. Like, they, they don't have a little mutiny over there and try to, like, fly away, whatever. Um, you know, they're doing the evacuation thing. They got almost everybody. Archer goes to get uh, space box. And that's that's the real head scratcher. Archer shooting with the phaser that Reed tossed him. Takes him down and then tosses the pistol back to Reed, who already still has a gun. Doesn't have a holster. There's nowhere to put it. <sighs> No, yeah. he hasn't invented pockets yet in the fucking this iteration <laughs> of Star Trek. Uh, as soon as he tossed that pistol back, I'm like, okay, well, I see the rest of the episode just unfold before my eyes here. Of clearly, course. Clearly, the stun setting is not as effective as they thinking it is. They set the, the stage so that uh, Archer and Space Boggs can have one final brawl. It's actually a very good fight scene. Very just the shot in a fashion that is, uh, you know, a lot of like camera placement in kind of corners so it's it's what it's doing is you making it feel claustrophobic again like they're having a fight in this kind of weird tight industrial corridor you mean the uh laundry room yes yeah that's yeah that's exactly it's like if you fought someone in the laundry room of a shitty apartment building this is kind of how they or shot Shawshank it. prison oh damn it yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> You know, the, the stunt guys were having at, they were really looking, making those punches look real and felt good, felt brutal, and, and ultimately uh, comes to an end after what's what's what is what's the uh, rope dope that Archer pulls? Space Boggs pulls a pair of space handcuffs off space shackles off the wall, uh, which is like this iron yoke, basically. And he's about to bust Archer over the head. But little does he know that Archer's gotten his hands on a Bajoran tricorder. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it shocks him while it's in his hand. I also really appreciate the comic gag of at least four or five different times the actor's getting to be like, 
ah! I'm like <laughs> seizing up for that electrocution moment. So we fit one more in there as uh, Archer hits Space Boggs with one last shot. Goodbye. Space Boggs drops it. Archer's like, come on, we got to get out of here before it crashes. And Space Boggs is like, I'm not going back to Khan Aramar. I'll never go back. And Archer's finally like, okay, well, uh, I'm going to head out then. Gets back <laughs> over on the shuttle. It flies off and we get a pretty badass scene of Space Boggs getting back up in the cockpit, sitting down, pushing buttons like he thinks he knows what the fuck he's doing until like leaning back in his seat and being like, oh, right. I can't fly this. And he's got a little <laughs> smile as he meets his fate. It, it's a perfect end, right? Like he didn't, he was so dedicated to not going back to that prison. He was willing to die not to do it. And that's what happens. He won the fight from his perspective, right? Like he got to die with his boots on. That's really what he wanted. And the episode ends on a note I enjoyed, which is they get back to enterprise and the 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 helping McHelperson fascist is like Donnie oh, Darko's we, dad. We're really sorry about what happened. Can you give us a report? You know, and he's like following him around. <laughs> like I helped, I helped your dominatrix out whatever she asked for. And she, I was <laughs> like, yes, mommy, and I just immediately made it happen. Very sorry. And and Archer and Trip was like, yeah, we rescued all your dudes. Uh, space bogs is dead. What the fuck else do you want to know? How, how many more innocent people have you imprisoned in your shitty system? Go fuck off. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm not dead. I'm not going to thank you for doing less than your job. <laughs> like, shouldn't even Archer's been there. like, I'm not going to thank you for all of these delicious head wounds. I was able to accumulate today. <laughs> um, get the fuck off my ship. And if you need me, I'll be in my bunk masturbating furiously <laughs> about the concussions acquired today. Uh, Seriously, please, though, send, this... please send the doctor in two hours to raise me out of whatever concussed coma <laughs> I may have slipped into. This is second best prison episode. I really enjoyed this. It was well executed, essential in every level. We should do a ranking at some point of our favorite space prison or our space face our favorite prison break episodes. This was, this was really good. And I think for the comedic value, I might actually place it above the shoot. Um, but there's been some pretty compelling space jailbreak episodes out there. I am never, ever in a million years, ever going to get over the fact that the shoot has a, a straight up throat slitting in it. Like yeah, that, but I mean, you've got some hardest core space prison in the world. And it's also like the best entry that explains why Harry and Tom are friends. Yeah, I feel like that's that's so important to the show that that episode but, exists for that reason. Balana being trapped in space prison in random thoughts uh, introduces us to Tuvok's dirty strangle fantasies and legitimate movie clips of event horizon. So there's, there's some strong contenders, but yeah, the, just the, the cameos in this thing alone. I apologize to the internet for not immediately uh, recognizing space bugs, but I'm definitely not going to take the L on Donnie Darko. I don't understand why everyone thinks that movie is amazing. Because uh, you haven't you... watched it. You wouldn't know if it's amazing <laughs> or bad until you watch. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I that it's made by a director who was like his like a one hit wonder. Like he made the Southland Tales, and like that was like even more un. Uh, that would make sense why uh, why the that guy was in both of those then and, and as Mr. Darko oh, yeah. and then Senator whatever. All right. Uh, well, I can assure you that Cardassian hallway and Donnie Darko characters will not be in our next episode. Season two, episode 18, The Crossing. And I'm seeing Trip laying on the floor with some sort of psychokinetic energies shooting out of his forehead. Enterprise is captured by a ship of non-corporeal beings who wish to trade consciousness with the crew's bodies, but those wisps may not plan on giving the bodies back. Well, break out your uh, Oregon Trail Ouija board, right? Speaking of Voyager. This one's not so great. You know, I'm, I'm... I am. Uh, I am sorry to tell you that we're, our winning streak might come to an end, <laughs> but we, we've got a good few. We got a few good ones in a row, and we got more good ones to come. Uh, but this might be. Uh, you know, we'll see if it's season, season turd suddenly makes a reappearance next week. Season poo. Season what is poo. the best case of uh, body snatching? What What was the the space organ trail? It was like. Add a strata or something, right? That was the one with the really good phaser fight scene on the bridge. That's when you like go six way or something like and just takes everybody out. It had a fight scene that was it was the best Trek fight scene that we've ever seen, and it ends with him going like multi phaser because he could. No, he went uh, wide dispersal. Yeah, yeah. That I thought overall that was a pretty good episode, and then the next generation when it's like Troy, Data, and Picard all get. Uh, possessed and they try to fly the Enterprise back through. That's always what they want to do. Go back through the nebula. That's where the rest of us are. That's where, you know, we're going to eat your brains. So uh, I think we need to get ready for, for retread trope town next week. And we'll see you then. Take care.